1: and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
2: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, buddy, we are live for the UFC Vegas 54 post-fight show here on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel. I am Mike Hecht. We get AK Lee and we have Jose Youngs, who is backstage in the media room in Las Vegas at the Apex. So we're going to begin with Jose. We don't have a lot of time with him. It's probably Oscar trying to get involved here. Not a surprise. Not a surprise. Yeah, they say it's probably Oscar. I go, it is. (laughs) Hello, Oscar. But, Jose, we'll begin with you before you get booted out of there. Uh, In the end, Jan Blahovic gets a third-round TKO victory over Alexander Rakic in the main event. We'll talk more about the fight. But unfortunate ending to a a pretty fun fight. Just your thoughts on the main event, how it ended, and seeing Jan Blahovich get back in the win column.
3: I mean, it's always disappointing when anyone gets... I guess it feels... That was weird. I guess it's... uh, it, it, it always feels bad once you see some someone injure themselves and like they lose a fight that they were because let's not let's not like mess around with that. Ratchick was not only in that fight; it was I had a one-one uh, after two, and then he hurt his knee. So it's it's just super unfortunate. A because Ratchick is still such a young fighter; he's in the prime of his career. Uh, you always hear like, it's cause he's going to get his MCL and LCL checked out on Monday. So, uh, fingers crossed it's nothing too severe, but that looks gnarly when you can physically see your knees, your knee ligament snap in half. It's probably not a good sign, but just super unfortunate all around. I know Jan is just pointing that he's happy that he's, he won, but he's disappointed that that's how it ended. And, uh, all very humble in defeat, uh, Ratchik was, um, uh, you know, he went up to, to Jan, congratulating him and Jan said, you know, will be, you'll be, uh, You'll be champion eventually, but it's just disappointing that a fighter of young, of Alexander uh age and standing in the division hurt his knee so badly because who, he might not come back for two years. And we always say the light heavyweight division is so shallow and losing someone of his caliber is definitely a huge blow.
2: Did they give any sort of an update on... Because I know he wasn't at the press conference, but was there any update provided from anybody from the UFC about... Just his
3: just the UFC PR came and said that he's going to get an MRI on Monday for his LCL and MCL, and that's as far as we know. I assume places an open tomorrow, it's Sunday, or uh, he's going to heal up for a bit and rehydrate and then go into it. But, yeah, they, we won't know till Monday.
2: Now, you, I know you're not a giant fan of playing matchmaker, but we did have the champion, Glover Teixeira, tweet out before this all began, this whole card, that, mm-hmm. hey, if I win and, and you win, we'll just run this back, Jan and then Jan obviously is not going to be upset about seeing a tweet from the champion. Obviously Glover's guy got, got a tough task ahead of him fighting a, a madman in Yuri Prohashka. But if he does get the job done and beats Yuri, what are the chances they run
3: this one back in your opinion? I mean, pr- higher than I thought. I didn't think, I mean, I was going to say if and won he would probably deserved the number 1 contender spot obviously Ankalaev and Anthony Smith's coming up but if you just go by rankings I mean Jan Belovich is still the number 1 ranked light heavyweight under the champion in the UFC's rankings where they kind of try to use it for matchmaking purposes so uh before this fight I said uh, Rat Jan's probably maybe one maybe maybe probably two wins away considering he got finished by the current champion and I always <laughs> said if, if Glover does be Yuri and then retires I would assume it'd be Jan versus fill in the blank for the for the vacant title but since the title's not vacant um and Glover tweeted that. My I think it's probably 75% chance, 75, 80, 80% chance that happens. Because for all we know, Glover to share gets really hurt because as we just saw today, when you fight Jan Blachowicz, your knees can blow out. So uh, fingers crossed that doesn't happen. Uh, but if, if Glover to Share wins, I, I I would assume that fight is going to happen maybe by the end of the year, just especially if someone's a champion tweets it
2: two last things just to give us a vibe from what happened back there. I know there are fighters coming in and out talking mm-hmm. about their victories and everything, but what fight, what moments got the media room all, all
3: fired up tonight? Uh, the David Grant knockout was pretty jarring. Uh, he basically punched a hole through Luis smoke, his head <laughs> on the canvas. So that was a jarring, uh, a pretty jarring moment. The, uh, the Manuel knockout was what's Manuel's last name. I'm Torres. Tor- Manuel Torres, um, that was a pretty jarring one, just considering it was like a one-two, and then he didn't even follow. He even said himself, "He's like, I didn't know if I should follow up." He's kind of a black belt. you don't want to hurt him anymore, this and that. And then, like, who would have thought? Kalen Chukagin getting fight of the night. I mean, we all joked thirty twenty-seven. Kalen Kagan. that was a fun scrap. Uh, the Vivian Arujo getting head kicked by Andrew Lee in the first round and then surviving was a pretty spectacular moment. So, uh, pretty great night all around in terms of like exciting finishes and fights, and the ladies put on a, a, some pretty fantastic performances. So, all in all pretty fun fight card. I'm not going to lie.
2: Usually when there's a, a pretty talked about rotten moment of the night, it always sort of balances mm. out with a, with a delightful moment. I think we know the rotten moment we're talking about with Tony Kelly in the cornering, but you got to actually speak with Tetsuro Taira for the very first time, <laughs> a delightful young man. Yeah, yeah. And have you ever gotten a reaction from a fighter just explaining the, the secret menu at in and out Never. Because that kid was so excited. Never
3: for a fighter, but it's always like I've had other friends from other countries come in. I take them in and out, and I'm like, there's a secret menu. They're like, "What? what's that? What's the secret menu? So uh, I read, definitely responded like, "Well, how old is he, 21, 22 years old? If 22, that? Yeah. Def- yeah, definitely responded like a 22-year-old who has been cutting weight who just got <laughs> told he could get quote-unquote animal-style French fries with a burger with three patties. So uh, I don't expect it to tired to be anywhere close to 125 pounds by this time next week.
2: There you go. Jose, I know you're about to get the boot, but thank you yeah. for checking in. I know it's been a long night for you, so I uh, appreciate it, my man. Enjoy the rest of your night, and uh we'll see you probably next week, I'm sure. Absolutely, gentlemen. Thanks, Jose. There he is, everybody. Jose Young's coming on in and a giving guy. a quick recap. I know he's got to get out of there, and when it's time to go, they don't just say, okay, you got to go, and then you know what happens when they tell you you got to go you're like okay um but you have tried to squeeze in like two or three last things now the ufc just shuts off the wi-fi and make sure that you're <laughs> you're getting not out of there so ak you you're looking dapper you're looking like you're going oh, to you. play
4: a sunday round at the masters It's more of a bowling i think but yeah, i mean obviously golf yeah but i, but I really look, look at it as like a bowling shirt
2: yes kingpin 101 from mm-hmm. alexander kaylee your thoughts on the main event jan beholvich gets it done not the Way he would have liked it, and a lot of people watching would have liked it. But in the end, he landed the leg kick, and those leg kicks are really effective. It was unfortunate the other leg that he put the weight on uh, Uh that sort of collapsed him and brought him down to the canvas. But just your thoughts on Jan's performance, especially that first round. I thought he looked really good.
4: Yeah, uh, I think a lot of the comments I saw were like, he's really he's really came to fight tonight, which sounds like a weird thing to say about like a guy who was just the UFC champion in his most recent fight. But I think the a lot of people were kind of discouraged by what happened um, with the Deshera matchup. Not just that obviously he was outclassed on the ground. You no, know, he was facing a superior grappler, but um, you know, he didn't seem to have that Polish power verve that so many people see. And he commented on that after the fight, he was kind of asked about it, and he was just like, "Yeah, like I was, I felt more relaxed. I'm how like I was having fun, and I think you could see that in his performance. I think a loose and sort of relaxed uh Blakovitz is is the best version of him. That's the version that I think that got him to the title, his first title opportunity, that got him the title win, um, and uh, and got him as the win over uh, at, at Dysenia. So we saw some of that tonight, and uh, would that have carried through like for the whole fight and gotten him the win? Unclear, because, you know, Rockets was, was fighting really well, too, before the injury. But um, I think it's definitely, for some of us, including myself, who was kind of counting, I was counting Jan Blakovic out a little bit, as I have many times in the past. This is, I think, the sixth time in his past seven fights that I have picked a fight wrong. Um, I picked him to lose many times and I picked him to beat Tashera, So it was all just, it's all incorrect. I picked him to lose to Rakesh tonight. So another uh, another L for this guy. Uh, but listen, he turned 39 in February. Yeah, his best years are probably behind him, but he's still clearly more than good enough to be competitive with anyone in the top 10 uh, of the light heavyweight division. And I guess the question now is, and I see a lot of people asking it in the comments and on social media, how close is he to getting another shot at a title, whether it's against a share or a And I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of mulling it over myself. Yes. Of course
2: we will match break tomorrow on on to the next one. And we'll make that decision. But I assume there's a poll with, with such a topic.
4: Yes. Yeah, st- yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Straight, just straight up people asking, uh, had did he do enough? Did he do enough tonight to earn a UFC title shot, regardless of who wins at UFC 275. Very strong right now. 64%. Yes. So most people are like, yeah, like you said, they saw at least enough in the first round, and uh, had ended with an injury. But it was competitive enough that they see enough of the of the Jan Blachowicz of old, of the the championship Jan, that uh, if he got a title shot tomorrow, or is announced that it was you know announced this week, he'd begin title shot. Doesn't sound like too many people would complain.
2: Yeah, I mean, we also have to keep in mind that there's a very big fight in this division coming up at UFC 277 July mm-hmm. 30th in Dallas between Anthony Smith and Magomed Ankalaev. And you would think if Ankalaev wins, he's either in there or they're going to do another number one contender fight. Plus if Anthony Smith wins, people love Anthony Smith. There's a very good chance he gets up there because I mean, he gets the chance to, to run that back with Glover because that was a bad loss for him. One of those things. And then he turned it around. Not long after that, he took another loss, but all of a sudden he's on a tear again. And Anthony Smith versus Jerry Perhash is probably just going to be insanity until it ends. Should that happen, but we already know it's going to happen. Glover Teixeira is going to take Yuri down, and he's going to submit him in the first round. I'm Obviously. saying this for like seven months now. Uh, Come on now.
4: Anthony Smith tweeted after he said uh, he tweeted, "Looks like I'm going to upset a couple of guys pretty soon." So he thinks, uh, you know, he's. I, I think he's amused by all the uh, contender talk, and he's just, you know, he's just. I think he's 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 kind of like, well, don't forget about me. Don't forget about me. I'm here, like he said. I have the Ankalaev fight. That fight is. I mean, that's a certainly a winnable fight for Anthony Smith. I mean, I, I think uh, Ankaliya. I assume I'm sure this odds already probably at least a two to one minus probably minus two fifty, maybe close to a three to one favorite. But man, Anthony Smith has been down in the odds before, and he's beaten a lot of uh, he's a lot of guys. So uh, I'm certainly leaning towards Ankaliya, but an Anthony Smith win would not shock me in the slightest. Of course, Ryan Span got a submission win, light heavyweight
2: division against Iwan Kuchalaba, and that brings up a question from Jordan
4: Isle: bonuses. Which Jordan, are kind of surprising. Jordan, did I not just answer this question in the comments? Like, I swear I just told him. <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of comments here. Some, it might have been know? someone else. It might have been someone else. I apologize. So if it wasn't Jordan, I, I was nearly certain that I told him. It was. It's the same person. Anyway, you're right. For anyone else just tuning in, uh, Amanda Hebus, Caitlin Jukagian, Fight of the Night. Caitlin Jukagian! Fight of the night, Mike. I, I I know. It was a good fight. It was the most entertaining
2: Kalen Chukagian fight ever.
4: No doubt yes. about it. Yes, I mean, clearly. And then, um, uh, uh, Ryan Spann and and Manuel Torres, uh, performance bonuses. But uh, Chukagian, six years in to her UFC career, Mike, the most appearances in UFC women's flyweight history. Her first ever fight of the night or a fight night bonus of any kind.
2: So on the People's Free Fight show, me and Jed played the bonus prediction game. We both got Manuel Torres correct. Uh, I said Davey Grant was going to get a performance bonus and fight of the night, Yeah, which he had a very good case of getting both of those, and fe- and he got none of them. He got none of them, AK. I yeah, think I, this is a travesty, and Michael I- Johnson didn't get a bonus either.
4: I like Ryan Spann uh, and good for him. Yeah, again, I, I never want to take bonuses away from anyone. I never want to say someone doesn't deserve a bonus because, you know, it's great. He's he's got a great uh, gu- guillotine. He got he used it to take out a very dangerous um, light heavyweight tonight. But boy, I definitely would have ranked the Michael Johnson finish and the David Grant finish above Dave uh, and, and David Grant and Smoker for sure should have been the fight of the night. It was it yeah, it was it was uh, strange. And again, I, I don't want to take away from Kibas and Chukagian either. Fun, competitive fight uh well deserving of some sort of bonus again this is why there shouldn't be a four bonus limit all these people should get fifty thousand dollars it it does leave a bad taste in my mouth and i think a lot of the a lot of the viewers to not see davy grant's or and or louis smoka receive um a, a well deserved bonus davy grant showed up to the freaking press conference with his gloves
2: still on that just shows the kind of guy he is he's ready to keep on going still had his four gloves on like he was ready to go, all beat up. It's it's just absolutely crazy. Oh, Brandon, Brandon Hunt. Yeah, yeah, Brandon Hunt
4: saying Petrosky. That's right. But he choked out. A, what was uh, Maximov's? He was Maximov was like a two to one favorite, right? No, he was no, the biggest. Oh, favorite oh, he was favorite on the card. Even what well, were the odds? Uh, no, I got to look at this. It was like How minus do,
2: 380. What? <laughs> Why? I, I don't know why. Because I think they, they looked at it as if Petroski Damn. was going to get a finish, he was going to get it early, and they uh-huh. felt like Maximoff's grappling would be enough to ride him through a, a first round because Petroski fades down the stretch and Maximoff is, just gets better and has an insane gas tag, and has that chain wrestling takedown. But geez, Luis, well done by Petroski. Saw an opening, got it done, and proved a lot of people wrong. Yes, Callum. He made all, I mean, listen, it's not just us. He made everybody eat their own words because everybody bet on Nick Maximoff, which is why the line was so high, except for uh, a couple of people. A couple of people I'm, were smart.
4: I'm so disappointed in myself. All my tuppies out there, I picked Maximov by decision. I'm embarrassed. I, I'm one of the only people in the world who watched the Ultimate Fire 29. Uh, and yes, Petroski was very disappointing on that show. He lost in the first round. He was one of the favorites going into it. And just kind of dropped a stink bomb um, in the, you know, on the actual show. But, but going into it again, people knew about his his grappling. He's has the building of a strong grappler. They talked about it on the broadcast. They said this is a great grappler versus grappler matchup. Um, like you said, Mike, maybe Maximov viewed as having the deeper gas tank. I think we've said we've discussed internally. There's that Diaz bump. He's part of the Diaz army, you know. Uh, and people like that. People see that and think, oh, maybe he's, you know, he's he's cut of the, he's from the same stuff. And maybe he still will be. You know, this is this is this is not the end for Nick Maximov. His career is just starting. Uh, We may look back on this. He's twenty four. He's twenty four. Just just getting started. Yeah, very talented guy. We may look back on this as a blip. But um, but Petroski was definitely definitely overlooked. And uh, good for him for um, clearly winning the grappling battle in the seventy six seconds or whatever this fight lasted. And uh, man, choking him right out. But um, hey, listen, Nate Diaz will be happy, and Nate and Nick will be happy. Their man did not tap. I love the call-out as well of Gerald
2: Mearshart. I thought that was great. I think he's, Gerald Mearshart, hilarious response to it because he called for it for the Singapore card, and Mearshart's like, yeah, dude, I'm down, but like, can we push it back a little more? Because I'm pretty fat right now. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to do that. Uh, so we we mentioned the co-main event, Ryan Spann, back in the wind column. No, I, I would assume, I thought he was getting on the mic and say, hey, we're going to Dallas. I want to be on that card. But he says, not even thinking about that. He wants to get his mental straight, wants to hang out with his family, and then he'll talk about the next move. So we'll see what happens with him. But more on the Chukagian-Amanda Hibas fight, because it was a fun fight. We, we weren't sure what Amanda was going to look like against literally like the gatekeeper to the championship in this division. Catelyn just beats everybody but the champion, anybody but the best fighters in this division, and she's just knocking off these contenders. You want to get a title shot? You got to beat Caitlin Chukagan. Amanda Hebus gave her everything she could handle. She looked good at 125. I'm seeing a few of these. I've seen it on sure. Twitter. A lot of different scoring. Yeah. Did the did the judges get this right? In your
4: opinion, I think I think they did. I think did. it's. I, I would have given the first two rounds to Chukagian. Uh, it's not. It's not a terrible to score the fight for Hebus at all. I get it. I get it. Um, she had a lot. Look, her jiu is amazing. She had a lot of great ground control. She took down Chukagian a lot. Something that I didn't think was going to happen. I said. I said uh, Chukagian has fought um strong grapplers in the past and they have not managed to control her on the ground. And Hebas clearly had moments where she was winning the fight in the ground. So that, that was great. But um, I don't think it was enough to outdo any time they were standing. Again, was had some moments. But I think if people go back and watch that fight, Chukagian won the majority of the striking exchanges. And guys, look at the criteria. Look at the official scoring, Please. Check out Sean Sheehan's pinned tweet. If you if you don't want to read it, he has a helpful video that he has pinned, where he talks about the scoring. Uh, and I'm not saying his word is law, but I'm saying I think he does a very good job of explaining why fights are scored the way they are now. So striking is always uh, and, and immediate damage, guys, is what takes priority. It's supposed to take priority for the judges. Shu Kagan did more damage on the feet. Um, should the criteria be changed to be you know more suitable for MMA? Maybe someday, maybe we should get to a point where we're rewarding, excuse me, where the judges should reward position. And like you said, more more like ground control and grappling dominance and give more points for that. Maybe, maybe that is more suitable for MMA. But the way the scoring is now, if you are winning the striking for the majority of the fight, uh, you are probably going to win the decision. That is what happened tonight. I think an Ahiba score, I don't think out of the question at all. But I, I would have scored the first two rounds for for Chukagan. So that's where you get your 29-28. Your so I I don't have any issue with it.
2: I scored it for Chukagan. It was close. I knew we were going to a split decision. I yep. knew it. I <laughs> tweeted did. it. I tweeted it like midway through the second round. <laughs> we, were going to split decision City. we took a one-way trip. We knew it was coming. And death taxes Caitlin Chukagan by decision scores. Once again, she gets it done. I thought the judges got it right. And it's amazing the arguments people had on Twitter. From the Bellator card, Ugh. you know, the Logan Storley MVP fight, and then people uh. dying on this hill. And I couldn't wait to fire back at people who were giving me crap for the MVP scorecard yesterday, but it doesn't matter. Uh, I love this comment. How does Dominic Cruz still not a host score? John Annick and Brendan Fitzgerald <laughs> are the only ones in on these
4: broadcasts that know how to score fights. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Dom has but, his own way. Well, like I said, Dom might be like kind of what I'm saying. He he has a he he has his own perception of health, which is funny because he was kind of like a very tricky stand up fighter during his time and one with a lot of. Uh, well, I think I think he was very effective striker, but you definitely had fans who were like who were like, "Oh man, how much damage is Dom really doing when he's kind of like zipping in and out and da, da. I always thought he was doing great, but it's funny that he would that you know he doesn't know the criteria when his fighting style was actually perfect for winning under the criteria of a mixed martial arts fight so i don't know it is it is weird
2: <laughs> yeah i would agree yeah. uh manuel torres great performance against just the nicest guy in the world i hate seeing frank camacho go out like that oh. he's just such a good dude uh alana cemento hinge uh,
4: we, we, we all knew frank camacho was going to come out right away just swinging I, I tweeted him like if there was any game plan for this fight you know as soon as that bell rings frank camacho is like no nah, i'm just gonna come forward i'm gonna punch i have to I, he has to he, and if it's been two years since he's been in the cage, he's like, I you know, he's just like, I gotta go. I gotta do it my way. Like, I just gotta go in and uh talk about going on your shield. That's he always does it.
2: Uh, we get Viviani Aru or uh, Nascimento gets the win. Viviani Arujo, fun fight with Andrew Lee. Of course, we're not gonna remember the fight itself. We're gonna remember the moment that happened between the first and second round with Tony Kelly. We're not gonna really get into that here, but not great. Michael Johnson gets a win. AK, you came through, buddy. You sold that fight. Somebody has to Someone, win. Uh, it's a good fight, too. And somebody won. It was, that was close. was a good fight, right? That was a good fight. Yeah. yeah I, I thought Patrick was going to like... score that submission win for me, but it did not happen.
4: Man. And uh, yeah, Michael Johnson, I can only imagine what's going through his mind. He he kind of, he didn't, I, I didn't watch the whole post fight press conference. I don't know if he went into great teal, detail exactly what his struggles are, just kind of mentioning like going to a dark place and, Again, given again uh, that he hasn't won a fight in four years, hasn't won at lightweight in six years, you guys can draw your own conclusions by what he means went to a dark place. I I would imagine you know that's a tough spot to be in. Uh, he's he's only I think in his career he's like three fights over five hundred, so it's tough, man, to keep climbing the hill. It's not like he's losing decisions all the time too. Like he lost some, you know, he had some he had some tough losses, uh, tough finish losses too. So uh, good for him, good for him, man, for sticking with it. And, and for reaping the rewards uh, again, I s- hope he gets some sort of locker room bonus, maybe not the full 50 G's, but um, you know, pay th- pay this man some good money because uh, he could have retired. You know, a, a lot of people would have retired, retired or, or, or I don't know, found a way to get out <laughs> maybe get away from the UFC. Maybe not, not want to fight UFC level competition anymore. And he came back tonight and, uh, cre- and credit to again, uh, Pat- uh, Patrick, uh, Alan Patrick as well, because he's also hasn't won in a while and hopefully his, uh,
1: and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Verna Jandaroba,
2: nice performance. Angel Hill, just ridiculously tough Mm -hmm. getting out of those grappling exchanges. Tetsuro Tyra, good debut. I think it's the kind of fight he's going to grow a lot from because like I told everybody since this fight was booked, Carlos Candelero is not a guy who's just going to get run over tonight. He's a very gritty, tough dude. Uh, He can take a beating and he's scrappy as hell. Tyra goes full 15, gets a clear win, nicely done. And then Petroski kicked off the car with a a huge upset against Nick Maximoff. So if you guys got questions, let's get after it. We're only going to go for probably another 10 or 15 minutes at the most. So if you got thoughts on this, uh, if this car was in front of 20,000 fans, would Amanda Hibas had won? I think people wanted her win so she could challenge Valentina or Tyla. Caitlin's a difficult spot at 125. Yeah, Kaelin is in a difficult spot, and she knows she's in a difficult spot. So she called out multiple people at the end. She called out Misha Tate. She called out the French chick and uh, Alexa Grasso as well. So, well done. That's exactly how you get to do it. Uh, Angela Hill's 12th UFC loss is the most in UFC women's MMA history. Unlucky, or is that who she really is, AK?
4: Um. Wow, that's a complicated question. Okay, well, a little bit unlucky, a little bit unlucky. I've called her the robbery robbery review queen. Um, I don't think all the split decisions that she lost were robberies, but that she keeps ending in these situation, ending up in these situations where uh, she has the potential to lose uh, a, pot- a robbery is, uh, is is unfortunate. But it's also indicative of her fighting style. She doesn't have like big knockout power. She never has very solid striker, uh, very good striker, but um, someone who you wish she had that extra gear, if not just to finish people, but just to skew, score a few more knockdowns. It, it sounds insulting to say almost, but, but to make things a little more obvious for the judges, sometimes it's what you have to do. Um, Cause it sucks because she definitely won some of those fights um, that were scored against her. And I wish the judges had, would, were able to, to parse her work a little better. But I, I mean, that's just not how it is. Uh, and as far as like how many losses, again, we we talked about, um, I think we talked about on the, on the preview show, she only had one pro fight before coming to the UFC. So, for her to have a, a, like I think she's eight and twelve now. I know it looks bad at eight and twelve in the UFC, but she has fought everyone. She has fought everyone uh, in her division. She's fought some amazing, really, really talented names: uh, Michelle Watterson, Claudia Gadelia, uh, Jessica Andraj, Rose Namajunas, Tisha, Tisha Torres. You're going to pick up L's when you fight these people. That's just how it is. And <clears throat> if she had a much easier schedule, we could be talking about, oh, uh, Angela Hills uh, is, is 12 and 6 in the UFC or 14 and 4 or something. She's fought the best of the best and hasn't been able to get a lot, over that hump a lot of the time. And sometimes she did, and the scores didn't go her way. So um, in a way, to answer the question, yeah, it is who she is. Um, but the story of her record says uh, tells you how tough her competition is, not like necessarily that she's not a great fighter.
2: Yeah, it's a bit of both. There are certain fights that she thought were robberies that weren't robberies, and there were probably certain fights that were. So I, I, get, I think it's a combination of both, but she's still very talented, and she's tough as hell, and she's a fun fighter. So always good to have somebody like that around who's willing to fight anybody anytime. Dana White loves those folks, and I'm sure Angel Hill is, is, is pretty high on the old list. Do you think Jett is kicking himself for not betting on Ryan
4: Span? Uh, probably. Yeah, but anytime again, you remember that that matchup was made for chaos. I mean, yep. they 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 threw Ryan Span and Kuculaba in there. Kuculaba, I mean, could have knocked Ryan Span out in the first round. You know what I mean? Uh, but he's a super aggressive guy. He went right into right into Ryan Span's strength, one of his signature moves, guillotine choke. I don't think he's. I think this is the first time he. You know, he has one other in the UFC, right? I think he is. I want to win. say, I'll take a quick look here because he's, he had, he it used it used to be a move He used a ton. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, Devin Clark, he submitted Devin yeah. Clark with the guillotine, uh, and Emil- Emiliano uh, Sorority, uh, PFL champion, Emiliano Sordi on contender series. And before that, he had a ton of guillotine chokes. So he used to do it all the time. Um, he just hasn't had one in a while, but I'm like, QTalapa is exactly the kind of guy who's going to fall into it. So, but I don't blame Jen for not betting on it again. That's, match up with chaos, that's like a stay away for sure. That's just great about having
2: a podcast because if you say something and you put it out in the world, you have to stand by what you say. (laughs) So if you say like, I'm just not going to bet on it, then you can't bet on it. Interesting question because Holly Holm is headlining next week's card. Is Kaitlyn Kagan the Holly Holm of 125?
4: I'll let you go first before I. I mean, no, for a couple of reasons. Holly Holm won the title. I mean, she won the title and she has a signature moment. That, I mean, look, that knockout of uh, Ronda Rousey feels like it happened like 25 years ago now, but it's still replayed to this day. She's still viewed as the woman who, who, you know, blew up the Ronda Rousey hype who who beat who did the unthinkable. And now that we look back on it, maybe not as unthinkable. But um yeah, uh Caitlin's, is missing that moment. If you're asking that's is that where they are now? Uh no, because Holly Holm always feels like she's one win away from a title shot. Caitlin feels like she's as Mike says, ten wins away from a title shot. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's 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 the answer right there. She's not the Holly Holm 125 because if Holly Holm is at 125, she would have got eight title shots already against <laughs> Valentina Shevchenko. We'd be talking about if Holly Holm won next week, would she get a ninth crack at Valentina? Like, that's what we'd be talking about. Kaylin is not in that position. She's eventually going to get there, but she's going to have to win like five more fights before that happens, or Valentina is going to have to vacate the title and go up to 135 because that fight was not competitive for one for even one second. So yeah, you guys haven't brought up Nascimento's stupendous performance. Thoughts? Let me just say this: the only people happier with that performance, besides Nascimento and his family and his corners, were Sean Shelby and McMaynard. Those two were probably as happy, <laughs> if not happier, than anybody else. And I think they knew something with this matchup. I think they had a feeling of, about how this fight would go. And I think in the end. They might have snuck to the back room, given each other
4: a high five, and then went back to sit down. Your thoughts? Mike, Michael, are you suggesting the matchmakers would 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 do something to to mess with a debuting fighter that perhaps they they're not fond of that did not make a great impression on them when he met them on the during the contender series?
2: It was a wise decision because they picked a guy that maybe the betting lines would, would look favorably towards Hadley. But they knew deep down, because of their matchmaking prowess, that they had a good chance to to hand Jake Hadley his, his first L, and that's exactly what happened. That was a great performance wow. too.
4: I, I can't believe you'd think they would do that. I I I don't think McMahon would do that, but they have. To, they certainly could if they wanted to.
2: I mean, yeah. Let's see.
4: Oh, I saw did Michael, that.
2: Did Michael Johnson earn himself a fight with Tony Ferguson, AK?
4: Why not, right? Why not? He he beat him. You know, is this not is this not a fight that Tony Ferguson would like to have back? How long ago are we talking about here? How long ago was that first fight? That was a while ago. May ten ten years ago. Years yeah. ago, <laughs> this month, May fifth, two thousand twelve. That was uh, Tony Ferguson's first um first UFC loss, right? I'm not crazy, right? Tony was was you know he won the Ultimate Fighter, and he was doing like he was kind of running through people, right? Was That that was the last loss before he went on the run, right? It was. That's right. That's right. So he beat Aaron Riley. He beats Eves Edwards. And then, uh, yeah, Michael Johnson wins a decision over him. And then uh, and after that, Tony Ferguson goes in his uh, 11, 12, excuse me, 12 fight win streak. So I think that's actually pretty cool. I don't th- remember this coming up at all on uh, last week's Otno, No, but uh, I have a feeling some people will be suggesting it this week.
2: I would agree. Let's see. Luke Adams, Sanford MMA Ooh. leading the discussion for the best MMA gym this year. Interesting question. Elevation took a hit with the G and uh, Namajunas losses. That's for sure. Yeah. 100%. I mean, trying to think. I mean, Logan Storley just won a title. Mm-hmm. Michael Chandler's there. Uh, I mean, they got Gilbert Burns, but I don't think anyone really thinks Gilbert Burns is a loser in that situation. Um, yeah. I'd I, probably. Ford is still doing pretty well. Not too bad. I mean, I I have to like go back and think of like which gym had which fighters because like these fighters switch gyms all the time. Like, even Davy Graham was representing Syndicate MMA tonight. So these fighters change hands all the time. Let's see what else we have here for questions. Uh, What happened to Dana? Why was he at the press when is the last time you see Dana White at a fight night press conference? Was, very, uh, very rare. Yeah, I wouldn't look I wouldn't look into it. <laughs> he's coming off a pay-per-view. He's doing what guys with billions of dollars in their bank accounts do. They're traveling, he's on a maybe on a yacht somewhere. I don't know. Do you guys think that Bisbing's commentary is hard hmm. to listen to? There's a lot of there's a lot of talk about the commentary. I think more from Dominic Cruz tonight. Um Dominic Cruz is actually pretty solid when it comes to position and technique. I think he's really good at explaining how to get out of tight spots and what fighters need to do and seeing advantages. Cause he's really, he's good at like studying tape. So he knows tendencies, these fighters, even the newcomers, he's well aware of what these guys do. He studies really hard. He knows no clue how to score a fight at all, especially in today's MMA. But Maybe we're being a little too hard on these guys. I don't know because they've been doing this for so long and they're so used to a certain thing that it just hasn't caught on. And when you ride a certain bike for a long time and then you switch to a different bike, yeah, it does the same thing. And this is the cool thing now, but you're so used to riding this other bike that it just doesn't feel the same. So maybe we're a little hard on them. Maybe it's a positive spin on it, but just Bisbing tonight in general, did, did were you a fan of his commentary? Do you think he's hard
4: to listen to? As Skinny Boy seems to maybe think he is. Uh, I wasn't paying that close to the commentary today. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I saw. I did see. I saw people mentioning on social media they had some issue with it. I'm, I'm a fan of his. I do think. Um, I don't know. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I don't know. I was about to search for criticism there, but I I like Bisping. I, um, I see someone saying he's the worst commentator. I don't know if there's any commentator that's like universally loved besides John Anik, I guess John Anik people like him a lot. Um, but Dom Cruz, Bisping, Cormier, uh, Paul Felder. I think most people like Paul Felder, most people like, I just don't know if they put them on the level of, you know, some of the guys they really love. Um, but ev- they're all going to take their criticism for various reasons. They have biases. They have misconceptions. They have, you know, things that happened in their own career, that color, how they view fights. Uh, Mike, are you watching the show a uh, winning time? Are you watching the Lakers? Uh, no, nah, I watched it. So there's a there's a little subplot in there with uh, Chick Hearn, uh, legendary uh, Lakers announcer Chick Hearn. He when he starts doing commentary, uh, he has Pat Riley with him doing Pat Riley before he became the coach of the Lakers. He's brought in as like color commentator, and back then Chick Hearn had like I mean, this is according to the show, I don't know the truth, but Chick Hearn had like so much power that he essentially did, he essentially did all the talking, and every now and then he'd let Pat Riley talk for like like thirty seconds. And I almost wish, I almost wish. Um, Veteran broadcasters could have that kind of uh, generalmanship in the UFC. Obviously, you can't because guys like guys like Dominic Cruz and uh, Michael Bisping are much bigger stars than like a Brendan Fitzgerald. Brendan Fitzgerald cannot tell those. He's he's there. He's there to to kind of guide them along and let them do their thing. He's not there to tell them when they should and shouldn't talk. That that's just not Brendan Fitzgerald's responsibility. But I think there was a time when the person who was the trained broadcaster, who was the veteran broadcaster, would be kind of trusted to keep the guys in line and you just don't have that option but and and then i think that's why guys like Cruz are i don't want to say this is who he's going to be for the rest of his broadcasting career but i mean keep in mind he's not a trained broadcaster and i think he's very much the same guy he was when he started doing this job what is it two years ago three years ago however long he's been doing it brilliant technical mind you want to throw to him to break something down i mean there's few better but as far as keeping like um a consistent like smooth broadcast goes he's just not great at it he's not great at it he's gonna cause these little like awkward moments and conflicts and that that's how it is and then you have a three and then you add in the the chaos of a three-man booth it's it's it just doesn't always come off well for any of the guys so i don't think Bisping's particularly bad um i'm not a fan of cruz but i don't know yeah I, di- I didn't notice anything egregious tonight but like i said i wasn't uh, paying as close attention as some i would like to see them mix some 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 faces around. I'd like to see more Paul Felder. I think he's
2: really good. Uh, I would like to see Michael Chiesa in there to do some color. He does a great job for LFA. Anthony Smith, I think, would be really good in the color spot. Laura Sanko, of course, would be
4: great Sanko, in the color spot. Sanko, who, is, who is, has, fought, has fought professionally, still trains, does technique breakdowns, and has as a trained broadcaster it's this is again i know it's a skill you can learn on the fly there's a lot of great uh former you know athletes who have become great broadcasters in other uh in other sports without i think i assume without having to go through journalism school or broadcasting school but it's great if you do go through broadcasting school and Laura sanko has that kind of experience um again i don't know what her schooling is but she has really really worked her way up as a broadcaster and was not throw you know when she finally gets her shot at being a ufc uh, at that ufc desk it'll have been well earned and she'll have gone she'll have made all the mistakes that broadcasters make like a hundred times way before she's actually on national television so Laura sanko get her on that desk
2: please yeah, get her in the mix for the low come on of, uh, any hype for park reporter next week apparently not because this fight with Jelton almeida is not on the main card which is just <laughs> god awful it's a weird fight it's it is a weird fight, fight but <laughs> it's fun Parker's a massive underdog. He's like a plus 500 dog or something like that, but don't sleep on Pac-a-paw-ta. Uh, Any idea for when the UFC comes back to New York? I will, I, I can say with, with knowledge that the July 30th card is being discussed for MSG. That was on the, the list. There are a lot of cities on that list. Boston was one of those cities on that list. Uh, MSG was on that list. Dallas is on that list. Dallas looks to have won the pony, so to speak. If I had
4: to guess, I would say November. Yeah, that's Probably. that's the New York, yeah. That's the Madison Square Garden month, right? It's November, right? They've held yeah. a bunch of right? Uh that would be my guess.
2: I'm gonna try to find a couple more here. Sometimes this thing just bounces around. Where is Jose?
4: He's gone. He's he's, yeah, he's still on site in Las Vegas. Uh someone just mentioned like um Fox just signed Tom Brady for 375 million. I'm like, yeah, I mean, look, he's a he's a famous face and voice that people are really wanna hear. Is Tom Brady gonna be good at broadcasting? We'll find out. We'll find out. I don't think he's going to be as much of a natural as uh, as Tony Romo, who himself had a lot of bumps his first uh, season doing commentary. But, um, yeah, but that's actually a perfect example, guys. Like, I want to see how Tom Brady does. And, like, we'll see, like, man, is he actually good? Or should he not have some more training for us? Tristan, I see the Petrovsky question. We
2: talked about it. But uh, Luke M. asks, maybe we'll end here. Best fight of
4: the week slash weekend, AK. Oh. Uh, Belter had some moments, eh? They did. Bellator had some moments. Um, let me take a quick look at the... I'm sorry, it's going to sound terrible because I just need to look at the card again because everything's uh, everything's a blur now. Uh, certainly not the uh, Beltor 21 main event, which was somewhat interesting to watch but was not a great fight by any means. I mean, I want to say Davy Grant and Luis Smoka. Am I forgetting some barn burner from... Am I forgetting some barn burner from 281? I mean I mean the best moment
2: of the weekend was Paul Daly for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But the fight prior to that moment was not great. It was like the anti Paul Daly fight. It was like the exact thing you didn't. This was it was turning out to be a classic Bellator move where you have him in a position where he's gonna fight a striker and the chips will fall where they may, but instead you put him in there with a grappler. And the guy just takes him down and lays on him and grapples with Paul Daly for almost two full rounds before Daly just said, the hell with this, and just knocked his ass out. Uh, and we had that great moment. But yeah, I mean, there was the, the Bellator card had some good moments, that's for sure. We had the freaking buggy choke. We had all sorts of craziness. We had some sad moments, too, with Leon Machida getting knocked
4: I don't out. Know, I don't, that fight didn't happen. I know what you're talking about. And then, Leon Machida retired like three years ago. And then just an awful main event. An awful main event. Stinker. And it was so bad of a
2: sinker that people tried to find ways to m- make it make it a talking point. So everyone just attacked everybody for their scoring on social media. And that 40 <laughs> minutes later, not one peep about the fight again. That's hilarious how
4: much it fizzled out. Ruined friendships. <laughs> scoring, scoring that fight hurt people's feelings. <laughs> Like, people got mad, were getting mad at each other on social media. Like, I saw like people were getting real. I, I tried to kind of stay out of it. Like, I kind of just put my score as like 48, 47 page. And I'm like, I'm not getting involved in this, like, this, this discourse because it was getting nasty. Yeah. People were like,
2: oh, man, you stop, stop dealing with the criteria, man. Like, that's not how they score fights. i like, that's exactly how they score that's fights. You're telling me I shouldn't, I shouldn't focus on how their fights are actually uh, scored. I don't understand your question. Uh, maybe we'll take a couple more. Any chance to support your fights in the July 30th card? He certainly wants to. He has called out literally everybody. So <laughs> if you had to guess, AK, is he fighting July 30th? Uh,
4: yes, he is. That's it. No scoop. No scoop. No inside information. I'm just being super optimistic. And I think he gets an opponent. I think he gets an opponent as well. I would.
2: I would. Be, I think they might go for that. I think they might actually party with the Wonder Boy idea. I think that uh, that would make some sense. I mean, why not? You got two names, two guys that really are just kind of stuck right now. So, yeah, I wouldn't
4: mind seeing that. I love that. That's a good idea. Uh, I see an NBA question. I'll read this one real quick. Or NBA draft question. Callum Lambert asking, is Chet Holmgren going to go number one? Uh, Let me just say, I think the draft lottery is in three. Is this week? I think on Tuesday of this week. Uh, So ask me again. Ask me again because it's going to be very team dependent. So it's a it's a it's a top three draft. It's like the three there's three very clear uh, four guys four guys of the draft coming up. But Chet Holmgren, freakish talent, uh, love him. But uh, Jabari Smith, Paolo Banchero, also fantastic. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I haven't decided yet. It depends. It depends who is drafting agree. number one.
2: And I agree on that. Like why 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 didn't you just do
4: the Nate fight? I mean, I know why, but just stop being dumb. Why doesn't Nate fight anyone? Just Nate fight someone. Actually, he doesn't have he to. He wants You're to. Gonna, he wants to. He keeps saying he wants to. It's not we, well, it's not his fault. I don't. Th- I mean,
2: from what I understand, it's not his fault. He wants to fight, but the UFC wants him to fight more than this one time, and he doesn't want to do that. And thus, here we are, in that same position. Poirier versus Bilal? Nah,
4: not into it. I don't see. It. Yeah, I don't know. Did Bilal volunteer for that? Did he throw his name in the hat for that? I mean, um, I guess he would if he thought it was an option
2: i think he knows it's fine it wouldn't happen though so but we'll see i think poirier will end up fighting on that card but i think with that point since we have shifted over to dustin poirier i think we have i see the andrew lee cornerman thing i don't really want to dive into that i think enough has been said
4: about it with tony kelly can, can i say one thing about it yeah go right ahead guys uh, whatever you want to call it racism uh, nationalism just general prejudice if you're going to like if you're going to, first of all, I mean, you shouldn't make weird generalizations like that anyway, but don't, like, it's it's so in the saying, like, anytime, I see people going like, it wasn't racist, you know, it's just in the moment, he's just saying, it's like, guys, anytime you talk about a country or a group of people, and you put the word dirty in front of it, you're being a little, you are you are being a little prejudiced. It's not going to come off well. It's not going to come off well. Are you intentionally being racist? Are you intentionally being prejudiced? I don't know. Maybe that's not, not your intention, but you have to have some, you're on national effing television you're on this was on the prelims right mike this is on the prelims. this is the featured prelims. So this is on espn this is on espn the feature prelim on espn I, I i get it that's maybe not the first thing on tony kelly's mind but man you 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 cannot say stuff like this you it's it's anytime you put the word dirty before a group of people it, it is it's not about it being taken the wrong way it's people are taking it the right way and they're probably getting a real view of your character so I'm saying, guys, you got people just really got to watch, you know, your language and 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 be empathetic and, and, and think about how your words reflect on people, because that stuff is just it sounds so bad. The clip, I had to listen to the clip a bunch of times because I was writing about it. It just it just sounds so, so, so bad. So Tony Kelly and whoever else says stuff like this, just do better man. just don't talk about people like that. Why? Why talk? Why talk about people that way?
2: I'll say a couple of things about this. One, I agree with everything you're saying. It was just in horrible taste. Two, Adrian Yanis is now one of the biggest baby faces on the <laughs> roster yeah. because he's fighting Tony Kelly June 18th in Austin, Texas, which is very close to home for him. So he's going to not only be a baby face just because he's fighting in Texas, but he's going to be a baby face for those watching on television. It's going to be like a guy almost fighting Greg Hardy to this point. And then the third thing, after I was disgusted by everything that was said where's the cheating where's the cheating because if you think about it there's only one warning issued in that one in that first round and that issue that warning was issued to Andrea Lee because she was going down and she grabbed the fence like full grip to keep herself up so if anybody was towing the line of right and wrong it was Andrea Lee, at least what I saw. Maybe I there, there were certain things that happened. I don't think. So. First of all, nothing garners that kind of response, but nothing that anybody else could see that comes, that, that would regard cheating. But Andrea Lee certainly grabbed the fence, and that was the only moment in that first round where the referee was like, hey, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. So, I don't know. It's just It was a horrible moment, so, and then Tony yeah. Kelly was... Tony Kelly tells Andrea Lee she won the fight when it was over Ugh. which clearly was wrong because she didn't win the fight but there you go Viviana Joe gets it done she is she's moving up and she's probably gonna a big fight coming up yeah that's let's fo- you know let's Julie. focus
4: on that what a great performance by Viviana Arujo and a good win for her and we'll talk more about her on on to the next one oh, or we, or, we, or, we, or, we, or we might not right, that's right I'm sorry she was not a main card Spoiler, I'm gonna talk more about Viviana Joe and on to the next one. How about that?
2: <laughs> Damn you, AK.
4: Should be, you know what?
2: Maybe we should both just pick her for wild cards just because she deserves it. So we can we we can focus on positivity. But we have we have done our part. It is 221 Eastern. Next week, there's a card where the prelims start at 4 p.m. Eastern. The main card starts at 7 p.m. Eastern. It's a five-fight main card, AK? In 11 fights total. I mean, we are just hitting all the sweet spots all at once. And And, we got the next
4: next card was pretty good.
2: It was pretty good. Yeah. It was pretty fun. So, and we had fun with all of you. So, thank you for, for joining us. Thank you for Jose, to Jose, for joining us from Las Vegas. We're done. For AK, I am Mike Heck. Thank you for watching. Good night, everybody.
0: The crown is yours.